Welcome to episode 34 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast, or welcome to the podcast as if this is the first episode you've listened to. Today is going to be a, a re-broadcast uh, of uh, ep- a part of episode 22, and episode 22 was with Janet Cleese, who has been involved uh, in the disability uh, sector for well over 30 years. Uh, she's been involved with people with disabilities, their families, and uh, really working with allies in the community to build uh, support networks and uh, to really create ordinary lives for people with disabilities. And Janet worked with the family-governed Diohago Support Network for over 20 years as a coordinator. And I had the great opportunity to sit down with Janet and uh, one of the founding members of the Diohago Support Network, Linda Daw. And this podcast shares the conversation that Janet and Linda and I had around intentional community. And it's really about what intentional community is and the building blocks to uh, to intentional community and how you can take those building blocks and go build intentional community uh, for yourself, for your community, for uh, those people in, in your life that you care about. So a really important conversation. I thought it was important enough to share it again. So we're going to welcome into the podcast Janet Cleese and Linda Duff. Today, there's a lot of conversation around community and there's different definitions for community. And Janet mentioned uh, creating an intentional community and Diohago really focused on creating that intentional community at Rougemont. So here's Janet to talk about intentional community and how they define intentional community, how they created it uh, within the Rougemont building uh, with the founding members of Diohago. Um, well, there's uh, all kinds of things written about intentional community. For for us in the, the early years of um, Rougemont, it really was um, uh, people uh, putting some thought and attention to how they would like to live in their community and kind of setting a positive expectation about that. So in Rougemont, we said that people would be good neighbors to one another. And it was something very short and simple. And we kind of massaged that all of the time. So people would look for ways to be good neighbors to one another. And still to this day, 25 years on, I can walk down those halls and I'll see uh, one of the men uh, bringing some furniture um, up the elevator for one of the older uh, people who live there. I'll see someone bringing something in a covered dish to another neighbor. Um, I see uh, doorways that all have wreaths and um, uh, objects on them, decorative objects, and nobody um, steals them, right? So what is it that people do to uh, kind of take care of the whole building as their neighborhood, right? right. And so that just takes 
uh, you know, you continually talk about it, you hold up um, examples of it, there are uh, quarterly general meetings, and it's not unusual at those general meetings for some people to stand up and say, I'd like to thank so-and-so for, you know, so Brenda, one of the supported people at one point, um, really likes uh, things to be neat, so likes to pick up bits of litter and garbage and stuff across the flower beds. And at one of the meetings, someone stood up and said, I just want to say I saw Brenda out in the heat the other day, and I really appreciated that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's that culture that's developed where acts of neighborliness um, are appreciated and noticed and people think that's the part of that's the way they come to live together mm-hmm. they're celebrated yeah and in the beginning I think we thought that we would choose people to live there based on their interest in doing this and what we discovered over time is that in, because it's a lovely building in a convenient place in its community, lots of people wanted to live there and they could care less about the intentional neighborhood piece of it. So they could um, sell us a good line about, oh, yeah, 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 and have no intention of really, really keeping up to it. But the people in the co-op um, who are the steady uh, the steady people who have lived there for a long, long time, I would say a third to half the people, you know, are so persistent in a lovely and gentle way that it um, it changes people. So people in their first year might not contribute much at all, you know, and in their second year, they kind of kind of start to get in the swing of it. And after they've lived there for a bit, it becomes their natural way. So I, I just find that fascinating. So it yeah. really takes a core of people to hold that as a, um, a value um, and and be very, very committed to it. Um, and it just seems to bring other people um, mm-hmm. along. People buy into that culture, yeah. Yeah. like in an organization. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Really yeah. Now, I had the opportunity to visit Rougemont and meet some of the great people that founded Diohago, uh, original uh, first people that moved into Rougemont. And uh, it was a fantastic experience. So I'm going to bring into the podcast Linda Daw. So Linda was really one of the people that was the driving force to making Rougemont happen and creating Diohago. And we're going to hear Linda's perspective on creating intentional community. And this is someone that's lived it for 25 years. And you'll also hear the community around us in this uh, clip with Linda. Uh, You'll hear the kids playing in the background and you might be able to pick up uh, Tiffany. So Tiffany Daw, Linda's daughter, one of the seven sons and daughters that uh, moved into, into Rougemont. And Tiffany really touched my heart, just such a caring, compassionate and, and loving and friendly person. So here's Linda. Well, you know, I, I I think we we get stuck on the words intentional community, and we make it. Um, and to so, to me, it's uh, intentional community is just kind of a way of saying we want to go back to the the days when community seemed simpler and more accessible. Um, but um, but that but. At, you know, for a period of time, what we did was to expect something very grand when we said intentional community. Oh, it's this grand thing. And people would, you know, think, well, you go to Rouge Mountain, you're going to see all this magnificent community things happening uh, in front of your face. And, and it's not like that at all. It's, it's, um, 
it's just people living well together and being um, um, and hanging on to that idea that we can be in relationship to one another in all kinds of positive ways, despite all the difficult things that can happen. And there are very difficult things like over the years um, within this community that we've had to deal with. And and there is a kind of a propensity for people when things get difficult to say, oh, you know, our intentional community isn't working. But the fact that you're able to work through the difficulty tells you that your community's working. And so sometimes it's um, uh, uh, people uh, want to see these very wonderful things um, very obviously all the time and if those things aren't happening then it's the community's not working but um, I think the community's really working well when it can deal with its difficulties as well as its good times right one of the things that we thought was it was important to have exist within our community was was diversity was the idea of people from Different backgrounds and cultures and beliefs and and that and that uh, that would that was the part of the intentionality in that people people would have you know many different ways of express expressing the idea of of creating and experiencing community and that that was that was part of it was that diversity but it wasn't. It wasn't um, the idea that we would have particular groups that would then help one another out, and I, th- I think the the uh, other part of uh, that we were very conscious of was that when our sons and daughters moved into the community, that they would uh, we we saw um, people making the effort to live well together as as a responsibility, and within that there would be contributions that would be made. But we saw our sons and daughters taking on that same responsibility and making those same contributions. So there wasn't an expectation that they would move into Rouge Mount and the immunity of Rouge Mount would kind of look after them. It was the idea that they would share that responsibility with everybody else that lived in the co-op. And I think that um, it's um, that's been more than evident in terms of... Uh, the kinds of contributions within the community that our sons and daughters have made over time. They, I think, are on an equal basis with with any other people that live in the community. I would just add that for us, the diversity came first, and then the feeling that the community would grow from that diversity. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a, we thought that people would come from a whole range of education backgrounds, yeah. that some people would be paying market rent uh, rates, right. and some people would have subsidized mm-hmm. rates. So there'd be economic diversity. Some people would, you know, have um, a physical disability, and other people wouldn't. Some people might have some intellectual limitations, and other people wouldn't. But you needed that full range um, so that you know people can really give of their best contributions. Mm-hmm. So you have some people who can drive cars, some people who do own cars, some people who have traveled Europe and all over the place to add the richness of their experience mm-hmm. to other people. And when I think of a community where it's only seniors and people with disabilities, uh, people try to say, oh, well, they, 
they help each other out and mm-hmm. and sure they do but it's a much narrower life mm-hmm. than if you had the, the broadness of mm-hmm. that range and so you know i think the challenge is for people to uh, forget about the intentional community until you are sure that you're in a truly diverse community and then the richness would come through there's lots that you just discover in that kind of diversity that enables you to be to make more contribution or just learn and grow and it's um you know there's there's a, a an inherent challenge in a very diverse community um not so much now we're all kind of like we're all kind of used to one another in some respects but um i can remember in the beginning and there was like we used to have these huge parties and and they were very canadian parties but we had this very diverse community and it was like it was almost like they were not used to these kinds of parties and uh or this kind of music and we learned to even that out over the years right so yeah so yeah and it and it's uh yeah it's just and everybody can participate in that so it's not like you're restricted anyway because Mm -hmm. when you have diversity you have lots of ways of figuring things out uh and 23 years later um we're we're, we still have um i think a a really good example of people living well together and that's really what we're talking about and so um but i think um it requires um a certain kind of effort and um and and lots of consciousness that even to be conscious when you're thinking, oh, things aren't working re- very well right now or things aren't quite going the way they should be going in our community. Just that being conscious of that, and uh, uh, but understanding that we can work through that and we can even things out so that the community just looks like a good place to live. So there we heard from... Linda Daw and Janet Cleese on intentional community and what it means at Rougemont. And simply, you know, what I take away from that is it breaks down to being good neighbors, right, at its simplest form. And Diohago, the founding members of Diohago, holding a set of values and really just with that intention of people living well together, uh, again, and being good neighbors, hearing diversity coming first, uh, you know, a di- starting with a diverse community, not just a group grouping two different groups of people, such as people with disabilities and seniors. Janet shared uh, with me that it isn't just a building, it's a mindset of the people. And people have come to Rougemont to learn about intentional community and and how uh, intentional community is set up at, at Rougemont, how it's worked over the years. And they've taken that model or that idea of intentional community and brought it into neighborhoods with single family homes. They've brought it into condo buildings. So it's not just something that uh, can only be created within a co-op or within Rougemont. Uh, it's a mindset that can be carried and brought into uh, your neighborhood. So uh, I think that's really important to share. Again, a big thank you to Janet Cleese and Linda Daw for coming on the podcast and sharing their experience and their learnings and thoughts on intentional community. 
Now, next week, we have uh, an exciting guest and a conversation I'm excited to share with you uh, that I had with David Hasbury. And David Hasbury is uh, a guy with a wealth of experience in the disability world. And David has worked with uh, some of the most notable people um, or some very notable people in uh, the disability world. Some of you may recognize the name uh, Judith Snow. Uh, David worked with her uh, as in early in his career. And David now uh, advises organizations that support people with disabilities on uh, really empowering people with disabilities and giving them choice and control. And that organization is called Neighbors International out of New Jersey uh, in the United States. So David and I have a, a great conversation. We talk about where... Uh, I guess, how we got to where we are today with disability and disability supports particularly and uh, basically how the system is structured and how that uh, is holding people back, how you can break through um, and how you can take choice and control over your life. So a uh, really interesting conversation talking about kind of the past, the now and the future. Uh, in disability and disability supports. So join us next week for that conversation with, uh, with David Hasbury. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, if you like this episode and you think you know someone that would benefit, please share it with them. Uh, be a part of the change. Think differently about disability. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.